We've got a very special guest here this morning, James Edwards from C3 Monash. He's the lead pastor there. He's really connected with Andrew, our, our lead pastor, over the last little while. And I had the privilege of connecting with him a little bit this week and the last couple of weeks. It's been a real privilege to get to know James and meet his, his wife and kids this morning. Um, but I, I found him to be just a, someone who, who loves the Lord, who has a real heart for people. And he's excited to be here this morning. We're excited to welcome him this morning. So would we, can we do that together? Come on up, James. Welcome, welcome. Now, before we let you loose this morning, I'd love to just introduce you. Vet you, that's right. No, introduce you, find out a little bit more about you just so that uh, the lovely people here can get to know you. So would you um, perhaps tell us a little bit about your family your story of coming to Canberra and how long you've been at C3 Monash for. Absolutely. I'll try and give the condensed version too for you all. But um, this is my beautiful wife, Tam. And um, why don't you stand up, honey, just so people know. She doesn't want to. That's fair enough. Um, and uh, yes, I belong to her. Um, someone said, oh, you belong to James. And she said, no, no, no. He belongs to me. And it's very true. Um, we have three beautiful girls and um, we've been so blessed actually by this church and some of the families in this church who have embraced our kids um, moving from Sydney. As you would know, moving areas is challenging and we have just been so blessed by particular members in this church that have uh, really accepted them. But we made the big journey from Sydney. We were there on the northern beaches for uh, 20 odd years and uh, we've actually got Sandy and Con who were a part of our church in Sydney and uh, we love these guys and uh, we were under Pastor Phil Pringle who started our movement C3 Church in uh, in New Zealand, it began the journey there, but then started in Sydney and uh, has now spread across the world, praise God. And uh, we were blessed to be serving there and uh, came to this kind of season in my life where I, Pastor Phil, was thinking of transition and the, and the next step ahead and um, similar to what I believe this church has been through in the last few years as well. And we all love transition, don't we? Uh, it's the song that never ends. And um, But it was a uh, really interesting season for me personally, and I just have had this affinity with Canberra, I think, for most of my young adult life, particularly since coming to, to Christ. And just little odd, in retrospect, you go, God moments. But these moments where God has just been revealing uh, more of his story for us and our family um, in this city. And it culminated with um, dear friends of our pastors, Steve and Deb White, who were the pastors of C3 Monash. You may know them, but um, they were moving back to Kingscliff and... Um, Praise God, it was a bit warmer. And uh, just feeling that, that need to be with family and feeling the time for a change. And unbeknownst to us, we were having this tension around, there's something happening in me, and I think it's Canberra, and I was expressing it to Tam, and she's like, you're crazy, and we don't know what's going on. And unbeknownst to us at this time, um, Pastor Deb was woken up in the, in the night with a dream. And they, this was during the process of them considering. She said, oh, I think James and Tammy Edwards from Sydney are going to take over this church. And um, Pastor C said, that's crazy, because I would have said, that's crazy. Um, but it's not crazy. We're here. And um, it's been an amazing journey. We love Canberra. Uh, love the cold. I know it's we're new. Sorry. You guys are like, oh, we hate the cold. But I, I, it's still novel to me. Um, but we love the seasons. We love the people. Um, you're a friendly bunch. And uh, we really have just loved this journey. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. 
glad to hear that, that heart for Canberra and, and what God's doing here. So really encouraging to see how the Lord was at work stirring your own hearts and that kind of preparing the way. Thank you. So just before uh, you open up the word, a few more questions. All right, quick fire. Um, cats or dogs, preference? Look, I am sorry all you cat lovers, but cats will not be in the kingdom. Um, but dogs will, definitely, absolutely. Okay. I think I just lost we just released that. Just, just let that offence go, okay, if there's any offence happening around there. Yeah. Uh, so you were around the, the northern beaches of Sydney for many years. So um, surfing or bodyboarding? Look, um, definitely bodyboarding. Um, I, my brother is a very keen surfer and lives here in Canberra also. And one of my favourite games to play, living five minutes from the beach, was as he was freezing in Canberra, driving past the surf, taking a photo, saying, look what I'm not doing today. And uh, yeah, so definitely not surfing bodyboarding. Nice. Uh, Romans or Ephesians? Look, I think just have both. Um, <laughs> It's good. I, I'm, I think Romans would be definitely, um, if not one of my favourite letters of Paul, but um, Ephesians is close. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm into that. Final question, very important one. Cricket or football? Well, f- cricket, of course, Adam, just because, you know, we're friends now. <laughs> but I must admit, I do, I really love rugby union. Um, and, and can I just say... I love the Brumbies, and um, and please don't tell me I haven't watched the game from last night. But um, but I got to say, um, yeah, I do love Union. But I used to play cricket because I was too skinny to play Union, um, and so not anymore, mind you. But but I was once upon a time, and uh, cricket was good. Awesome. Well, we're very grateful that you've come along to to preach and bring the word this morning. Can I pray for you, and then let you loose. Father, thank you so much uh, for James, for his willingness to come along this morning to just pour in, to invest into our church family. I ask, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon him, that, Lord, he would have clarity of heart, clarity of mind. He would know what it is you're saying, where it is you're leading him. Lord, I pray for us here today that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you would say to us through James, Lord God. And I pray your blessing on him, on his family, on his church, Lord God, that they would go from strength to strength. And Lord, see your plans and purposes outworked, Lord, in increased measure in this city, in this time. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, can we thank Pastor Adam? And uh, he's doing such a phenomenal job, as well as Pastor Catherine here. And um, we've, we've... Uh, just getting to know you guys, and we've just met today, Catherine, but already we love this church. It is a beautiful church, and um, we do love your pastors, Andrew and Ali. They are a wonderful couple. He was one of the first ones to reach out to me as well, and just, um, you can tell a lot about that. Um, we love people. That's why we're in ministry. <laughs> we, we, we genuinely believe, I, and I love, as I said, I love this city, but I just love people wherever they are, and I can feel that in this church. I, I'm leaving, um, not yet, don't worry, we've got a couple more minutes together, but I'm going to be leaving encouraged. Um, you guys are very, very good. <laughs> You're good people. And, um, and God, I feel just in our worship moment together, 
I felt you, you, you sometimes just feel like God loves everyone, right? But he, he likes people, like he doesn't trust everyone. He says that, if you're faithful with little, I'll give you more. Like there's, there's a thing of building trust and God likes this church. I've got to tell you, there's, there's a beautiful presence of his spirit here. And it started for me actually at the door with Ian. I don't know where Ian's gone, but, but there he is. What a, what a beautiful man of God and, and the wonderful welcome team. But to even see that, um, to come out of the cold, and even though it was still cold, to feel warm immediately. And then your worship leading, um, you guys conveniently placed there to help me remember where you're roughly... Uh, was beautiful, and, and the whole worship team. Can we just celebrate them? They, they are, because I've got to tell you, that's not just a gift. It's not just like I can hold a note. There's something that is coming out of that place that takes time and sacrifice in, in the space of God and, and in the time and sacrificing that time. And so we thank you and honor you for that. And honestly, I just feel over your life, what was your name, sorry? Yeah, Ali. Ali, um, I, I just had this weird image when you were playing of you seeing things on the news, seeing th- hearing things of, of trouble and strife, and you going to a place of worship. And just there's a real victory over you and, and what comes through in your worship. And so I just encourage you in that. Um, keep bringing it. It's so good and um, it's wonderful. Anyway, I need to move on because you don't want to be here all day. Um, but I'm, I'm encouraged. And um, yes, you're all very lovely and likable people. Even all the way up the back, I haven't met you yet, but you're all smiling and nice and kind. No one's frowning at me yet, which is good, which is good. But you're in this series of distinct markers, um, and I love that. I love reading some of your vision, your, your vision but also your values and, and, and the heart of what you do and what you believe. And one of your, your lines, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but forgive me, but it's, it's around that, that you are being redeemed for a purpose, and the purpose is to be his people, that we're redeemed as a people onto God, like God's people, and that's really important, because I think for too long we, we've seen redemption and salvation as like the goal of our destination. It's kind of like, well, I've got my get out of hell free card kind of thing, and, and my eternal eternity is secure, but, but actually it's much more than that, that our redemption and salvation is actually that we get to again become his people. That, that we actually have a purpose and, and that these, these things that we're describing as distinct markers, in a sense, is the very purpose of the church, that, that we are becoming more and more clear visions of and versions of that, that, that we are clearly reflecting the mark of God on our life. And I'm so encouraged, even just being with you for these moments, that that's very much a thing in this church. And on Pentecost Sunday, woohoo! Who loves being a part of a charismatic Pentecostal church? It's good fun, isn't it? It is good fun. But i got to tell you that, that we can celebrate the power. Because he said, when the Spirit comes, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses. And, and at times we can celebrate the power, but we miss the next line. That the Spirit has come on us as a people to be something. Not to do something. Before we go and do something, we have to become something. In order to clearly do the things of God for the people that are yet to know him, we have to become clear representatives of God. 
We have to be clear in our distinct markers. And so you've been looking at these markers of joy and holiness and purity and all these things. And and today I want to talk to us about becoming people of love. That the distinct marker that I think is perhaps most important in terms of where we start from is that we become people of love. That as witnesses, living temples, how crazy is that? That we are the place where the spirit and the earth meets. That as we are these living temples, we want to be temples that are reflecting the character and nature of Jesus. We see this amazing moment in the Gospels where Jesus comes into the temple courts and begins turning over things and going crazy. And we think maybe Jesus is just having a bad day. But what Jesus is upset about is the very place that people were meant to come and meet God. They came and met a very bad representative of God. So when people come and meet us and they meet the God in us, do they see him? Are the markers clear? Are we revealing the markers of Jesus in us? To the world around us. This is the chief vocation of God's people. Not to do things, but to become something. To become his representatives. And as his people, we want to be good representatives. I remember the first time I went to Disney World. In fact, it was the only time, if I'm honest. But we were excited. We were kids pastors at the time. And uh, I went with one of my creative guys, and, and I don't know how we did this church, but we convinced our pastors it was a good idea to send us to Disney World to go and see how, how the world is educating and communicating and entertaining children, and they agreed. I was like, oh, great. So we went to Disney World. It is terrible, but it was great. And what's fascinating is it's the, it's the happiest place on earth, right? So when you go there... You're expecting a happy place. I mean, it's on the brochure. It's pretty clear. My first encounter with a Disney employee, they weren't that happy. We were an inconvenience. We'd messed up a little bit on the booking thing and, oh man, the eye rolling and the frustrations. And I'm like, wow, you're really not representing what you're selling here. And it's, it's, it's wonderful when you meet people like you and man, you feel straight away, ah, these guys get it. They represent God. But it's really quite frustrating would be a very gentle word when you meet those that are meant to that don't. And so for us to clearly represent Christ to this world is so, so important. And one of the clearest things that we need to be able to represent to people is the love of God. Jesus is meeting with his disciples in the upper room there. This this room that they've put, put aside to share communion and come around the Sabbath and somewhere here up the top there, you'll, you'll be able to read into that space. And he's sharing this meal with them and he's talking and communicating about how they are to be. That if they are indeed connected to this, this, this vine, this image of connection to Christ, that they would bear fruit in line with that, with that connection. And the fruit would, would look like and feel like and taste like something. And he says this in John 13. He says, children, 
In verse uh, 33, children, I am with you a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this, all people will you know you're my disciples, if you can heal the sick. By this, all people will know you're my disciples, if you can tell them what is right and wrong. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you can lobby the government for change. No, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Love, man, it seems so pithy, right? It just seems so like, love? Like, like imagine going to Jesus, like you've got this one moment, and Jesus, what could we do more of? And he's like, love. Really? Yeah, love. The marker of a disciple to those both inside and outside of the community of God, Jesus said, would be love. Throughout history, it has been the love of Christians that has led so many to come to faith. It was in the first and second centuries where there are plagues and things happening and everyone else is fleeing from the cities and the Christians would come and serve. It was in these moments where constant persecution and would, you would think would isolate and, and, but constantly they would come back to serve. It is our consistency and ability to show the love of Christ irrespective of how we're being treated in society that most brightly shines. His greatest message to us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It is through our sacrificial love that we reveal him. This love is not self-generated. It's not simply a human feeling, although it can be filled with feeling. It is a flow on, a paying forward of the love that he has richly provided us. For he said, as I have loved you, you must also love one another. And that's not just a statement of, as I have loved you, what I've, you know, I've given you love, therefore you give. No, it's, it's descriptive. In the way that I have loved you, you must also love. Anyone feeling like, gosh, we've got some work to do. I am. I'm preaching and I'm still like, wow, I'm so far. Paul wrote about this, this preeminence of love. Because there are many things that the church can do, but becoming a community filled with his love and ready to share that love must be our primary focus. And so Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, he he brings them back to the preeminence of love, the most important thing. They They were a church that were excited and eager to chase the spiritual gifts. The challenge was that they they thought the superior markers of godliness were being able to do these spiritual gifts. The ability to do things in power. And that was partly because they were corrupted with the Greco-Roman culture of seeking status. 
And so they felt that by having these gifts made them a more godly person. The more gifts, the more powerful, the more godly. But in chasing this with the wrong motive, it had drifted them away from the core purpose and the primary reason for the gifts of God. And so Paul shows them still a greater gift, a more excellent way, a way or a motive for the church to live by, the way of love. It is our motivation to fulfill the greatest commandment by extending the love of the Father to others. And in that, if we're not doing that, if, if that is not the core of what we're trying to do, Paul reveals to the Corinthians that everything else we would hope to offer in this world is futile. Isn't that crazy? He goes on in 13, 1, if I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I come with human wisdom and words to guide and lead and shape and I've got something to say, but it's not brought in love, all people hear is noise. Religious noise, but noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I can move mountains, that's pretty good faith. But do not have love, I am nothing. We've seen, unfortunately, in, in, our, in our years on this earth, even today, where mighty men of faith, they've built these huge movements of God and they're incredible and they're huge. Mountains have been shifted through the work, but they lose sight of love and they lose everything. And they have nothing. If I donate all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body in order to boast or to burn but do not have love, I gain nothing. You know, love keeps our mission pure. It keeps our purpose clear. It gives meaning to why we are here. To love one another is the great commandment, the guide to how we behave how we speak, how we think, and how we act. I love this because we don't have to compare or measure our lives against others. I mean, there are some exciting things that are happening around the world right now in the church. And you can see revivals and all these things, and sometimes we can measure ourselves as churches going, what are we doing, what are we doing? And imagine if we were doing that, and imagine if we were doing that, and, and if only I could be like that, and if only we could do that. But rather than measuring ourselves against other things, what, what God wants us to do is come back and measure ourselves against his love. Because if we can keep coming back to the place of measuring our standard, not on what others are doing, not what Instagram is saying is awesome and amazing, but is love at work in us, then we can be sure, we can be confident, we can be secure that we're on the right journey, that we are doing the right thing. 
Because it's not coming out of something that we have to do. It is an overflow of something that we have become. And i got to tell you, church, you are a church of love. You are full of it. The good stuff. And it's going to flow out. We just got to stay in line and measure our work and our life and our love, our, 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 our purpose by love. So when people encounter me, here's some questions for us. Do they experience love? Are the choices I make in line with love? Are the things I say and do loving? It's a good thing to say. Used to have those bands, what would Jesus do? They're probably still around, actually. But ask yourself this question before you say something. Is it loving? Before you do something, is it loving? When when people encounter me, are they encountering love? Ian, when I came in, I experienced love. It's an overflow. And, and, And it's hard to define love today because, you know, it's been so corrupted in what it can and does and doesn't look like. And so I think it's helpful that Paul doesn't just tell them to live like love. He then gives them a list of what love is. Gives them a list that we're going to look at today, that what love looks like. And, and it was in a response. Paul's very cheeky how he does this. He's very gentle. Uh, well, sometimes. But, but, but in this letter he is, he, he's giving them a list. And the list is actually all the things they're not. And so as we read this list, this message is not here to go, rah, okay? But you'll read stuff and go, oh, whoops. Don't, don't. It's all good. The power of the Holy Spirit, the thing we celebrate is that his mercies are renewed and that we get to be empowered to live like him. So let's allow this list to wash over us, not just rush through it, but actually start to think about how in my day to day can I become more like this? Okay? All right. Are you ready? Love is patient. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already out. I'm like, whoops. Like, we moved from Sydney, and in Sydney, like, and you guys will attest to this, everyone is, is on the move. It's, it's, and so, like, coffee, like, order ahead on the app before you get there, roll in, pick it up, go. First time we came here, we, like, got our coffee from this coffee shop we found, and, and I said to them, hey, it'd be, don't, do you have an app that we can order from? And they're like, No. I go, oh, well, how do, what do people do? And he goes, oh, they just normally line up and wait for coffee. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Love is patient. Long-suffering. Don't look at the person next to you. Long-suffering. You know, it, it does have that sense in what he's saying, this, this patience that is this, this, this ability to, to put up with stuff. But it also has this element of, of again, in that sense of rushing. When, when, when you're patient, when you're not in a rush, you find moments to reveal love. I was saying to Adam, we, we grabbed coffee the other day, and it was, it was a real blessing to me, but 
working in a church, I'm constantly surrounded by Christians and people I'm working with and discipleship and doing all that and, and encountering people that have yet to come to faith. One of the, the greatest moments I have is in cafes because I'm an addict to coffee, which is great, which is better than other addictions, right? Apparently. But I drink a lot of coffee and so encountering and waiting and slowing down and just asking the barista, how's your day going? Rather than making the order and then standing with the other mob over here waiting for your coffee, glaring at them to make sure that they get your very complicated coffee order just right, we can take the time to just slow down. How are you going today? Some of you are employees. And, and your boss can sometimes drive you crazy. But you could, you could be patient. Slow it down. Some of you are employers. And, and you, everyone thinks you're too busy for them. There's a lot on. But you could change the culture of your entire workforce just by being someone that is ready to be there for them, ready to make time. Love is patient. It's not in a rush. You can love a lot of people if you're willing to wait. Love is kind. We read this book, um, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's by this cartoonist and he writes this story of this boy, a, a horse, a fox and some other animal. And uh, one of these, these little drawings and um, one of the animals asks the boy, what do you want to be when you get older? And he says, kind. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a softy, but I go, yeah. Kindness is, is one of the most powerful things we can operate out of. It's, it's, it speaks of God's mercy. It speaks of his justice. Where are some teenagers here? Yes, maybe, no? Oh, good, they are there. Excellent, good. You know, like, guys, I think in schools today, like, the opportunity to reflect kindness is like an everyday thing. Because I don't know why, but when you're young, there's just the amount of unkindness that can come out of those spaces and the cliques that can form and the injustice of bullying and all those things. A simple reflection of kindness can, can make such a huge difference. You know, you were talking today um, on your uh, notices. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was off script, so I just got lost. Um, about these meals that you do. And you go, yeah, that's a cool thing we do. I've got to tell you, you're like almost famous for those meals. We, we, we operate something similar. It's different. And I, I've told so many people, if you need food, go to Vision Church on Thursday. Because that is so kind. <laughs> it's practical kindness. Yes, it's helpful. But it's, it's kind. It is one of the greatest ways you are revealing the love and kindness of God. And you're not expecting anything in return. That, I mean, the, the notice was like, if you think maybe you'd like to, or I'd just say, go ahead, sign up. Like, just go for it. If you can't cook, don't. It's not kind. But if you can, go for it. Love is kind, does not envy. Wow, oh, man, this is so hard, isn't it? Because we we've, we've live in a culture that's constantly telling us we need more. 
And envy can be this horrible thing that can seep into relationships and corrupt it. And so learning to be content and celebrate what we have and also celebrate what others receive and do in life is is so important. It is not boastful. So I love this. It's not only not envious, it's not boastful. So here's two sides of the coin. It's, It's not envious. It's not people going, oh, man, I wish I had that or I had that life or that car or these things. No, no, don't do that. But also don't be boastful. Don't give people a reason to stumble by proclaiming to everyone how awesome your life is. If you're counseling a friend who's going through a marriage challenge, don't in the same sentence go, well, my marriage is amazing. No, it's not loving. Just be humble, content. It's not conceited. It's not arrogant. It's not puffed up. Love does not puff up, it builds up. They're not markers of a Christian. Be humble and confident in him. It does not act improperly. It's not rude. And that that can be in the most immoral sense of what Paul was facing within this church. But also just don't be rude. Don't be short with people. Don't be unkind to people. Don't be rude. How are we going? Are we feeling like, wow, this is a long list. It's not selfish. I can be so selfish sometimes. And you think you've beaten it. And then it rears its ugly head again. But not to be self-seeking. Particularly as a pastor, right? We, we deal with people all day. We're working with people all day. And, and the thing that God gets me all the time is you guys. It's your fault, really. Is I'll be driving going, Lord, why am I doing this? And then God will actually put in my mind images of people that I love. Like, Lord, I'm not about me. I keep me, let me to seek others first. And this is the greatest thing we can do for one another. The greatest way you can serve one another is just to stop living for us and to live for each other. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked. <laughs> Patience and kindness means we can have a long fuse. My pastor, Pastor Phil Pringer used to talk about this. Patience is having a long fuse. You know, temper is like when you've got that short fuse. It's like you come home and everything sets you off. You ever have those moments or is it just me? Just me, yeah. Like my kids could be doing nothing, literally nothing. They just make a noise and I'm like, rah, what's going on? But it's like, whoa, what's going on there in me? Why am I so provoked? It's like I'm, I'm on this edge and, and often it's because I haven't had enough time with the Lord. It's like I haven't have enough space of his grace in my life that it's long suffering, that there's this thing. So I'm easily or quickly provoked. But, but we can build margin in our life, both practically. We can actually build margin and make sure we're living within the framework of his grace. We're not just kind of buffeting up against the ceiling of his grace running at a thousand miles an hour, doing too much, and then we're provoked. No, we can make practical margin, but also the Holy Spirit, if you would just spend time every morning with him, just waiting on him, you will find this amazing marshmallow kind of margin around your life where you're just this big, soft, lovely person that's not easily provoked. And does not keep records of wrong. Forgiveness, it's a hard one to talk about in the church, right? Because, because that can be manipulated and corrupted. And we've seen things that should not have been swept under the rug, swept under the rug. 
So this is not saying just let people get away with everything. No, God is a God of justice. However, in that, we have to have this, this space where we can understand what it means to let go. Because otherwise we become people that are fighting for our rights again all the time. Paul says this really interesting thing in, in, in chapter 6 and 7. He says, why not rather suffer wrong or be defrauded? He's like, you could fight for this stuff. You could keep, or you could just let stuff go. And sometimes in this life, and hear me again, I've got to make sure that we're not talking about things of injustice or where safety is involved or people's um, around child safety and all the things that, that, you know, as a church, sometimes we have, not this church, but as the church, we have sometimes drop the ball on. I'm talking about things that sometimes we are fighting for that maybe we're better to just let go. And, and that's the core of forgiveness is the ability to let go. Keeps no records of wrong. It finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. Doesn't rejoice in wicked things or things that are not right. But again, it's this justice language. So again, it rejoices in the truth. Allowing the truth to surface. The things that reveal God's redemption and justice as he's putting things in the right. And finally, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It believes and hopes all things. It's not gullible, but it's not cynical. We live in a very cynical world. But to have a perspective in life and and a perspective particularly of each other and of others that, that hopes and believes. It's like, yeah, I, I believe the best and I hope for the best. And I know in a, in a congregation of this size, there are some of you who are in relationships right now where it's hard to do that. Where you can hope and believe for the best things. But love keeps us in that place that we, we keep hoping and believing. And therefore it can bear and endure perseveres it has staying power true love is secure does not mean again to cover in the sense of covering up or sweeping under the rug but it means it can bear things and in your life both within church within your work within your family there are going to be seasons and times all the times actually that you're going to have to work with people where you'll be bearing and persevering, and that is the true gift of love in us. But again, it's not the love that we just manufacture. It's a love that we've received. Whenever I get impatient with someone or feel like, ah, oh, my perseverance, Lord, my bearing power, he reminds me of how much he's loved me. And, and I'm reminded of how annoying I must be as a follower of Jesus, how much at times a reluctant, annoying child that he's having to pull out. No, he's bearing, he's loving, he's gracious and kind. Now, that's a big list, right? I encourage you to go home and, and look over it again. But looking at this list, is there anyone here who thinks they need help? And those of you who didn't put your hand up, you're blissfully unaware and you're the people we need help with. No. And so we can look at this list and we can go, oh, Lord, I give up. It's too hard. I'll just, I can do the patience thing, but the kind of, no. I'm half there. 
Unfortunately, that's not the purpose of the church. We are to be bearers of distinct markers and perfecting in that. I think Pastor Adam spoke out of Peter where, you know, be holy as your father is holy. Become perfect, future tense, as he is present tense, perfect. We're all on this journey. So we can either go, it's too hard, or we can say, Lord, help. We can say, Lord, help, and and we can do that right now. So on Pentecost Sunday, we can believe that the Spirit has been poured out and we can have a fresh pouring out of the Spirit and we can believe for power and the supernatural gifts and all those, or we can ask the Father to pour out His Spirit so that we could be transformed to be more like Him. And I think what a beautiful thing for us to do right now. So I know you've been sitting and standing. In this church, you're going to have great quads. I've got to tell you, it's amazing. You are just going to, your core will be so strong. But why don't you stand with us? And I would normally ask the worship team to come, but I'm not. Because you guys always have to just give, I just want you to receive. And I encourage you, open your heart and do that in a physical way by opening your arms. Now, there are so many things going through your mind right now, I know. You're probably thinking of reasons why you shouldn't have to forgive or things that have been done to you. That, and, and, and I'm not suggesting in this moment, in these kind of five minutes together, that somehow you're going to be able to work all that out. That is the whole process of discipleship. It might mean you need to talk to someone in your connect group or one of the pastors here or one of the friends, or, or it might mean you need to go and see someone and talk some of this stuff through a little more. But what you can do is start with this humble place of saying, Holy Spirit, help.
into someone's office and they're like this, arms folded, or it's not a good feeling, is it? They haven't said a thing, but body language. We are so connected, and sometimes we come to God so kind of guarded like this. And I'm just encouraging you, drop your guard right now and let go. Just do it. Take a deep breath. Now, I won't force you to do anything. You are, you are controlling this moment. But if you're willing, just do it. Just close your eyes and lift your hands real high. Open your whole body up to Him. Open your whole heart up to Him. Come Holy Spirit. Flame of love. Let your love fall on your people here right now. Let Him in, let Him in, let Him in, let Him in. There's healing happening for people Father, who never leaves us nor forsakes us. You don't give up, Lord, halfway. Father, you are about fulfilling all of your work in us. So I rebuke right now, Father, any sense of guilt or shame and that God, people would leave here with a renewed sense of hope and love and faith. But of all of these, the greatest would be love. If you're here and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never begun the journey of surrendering your life, at the end of this service, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Myself, Pastor Adam Kath, will all be up the front here. Some of the prayer team might come and join us. And, and if you want to speak to us about what that means and what that looks like and how you can take your next step in that of receiving Jesus and beginning this journey of faith, I really encourage you to do that. Otherwise, be blessed. Have a wonderful, wonderful week ahead. Be that loving church that you already are to everyone you meet this week and watch God do mighty things in you. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. Bless you guys.